Good morning and welcome to Let's Talk Gardening. And uh, it definitely feels a little different out there. It was a uh, uh, plus the last few days. And now all of a sudden it's minus 18, minus 17 again. What's going on as we're creeping closer to the first day of spring coming up in a few days, another week or so? Um, but in Calgary, we always got to remember, we, we, we still have two months after the first day of spring before we can safely put our stuff outside. So um, so disregard everything you read about the first day of spring, about putting stuff outside. Uh, we, we typically have to wait till the last week in May and into, and sometimes the first week in June, we can, uh, we can get into, into that kind of spot. I bit my tongue yesterday, so... I, I kind of, <laughs> uh, anyways, it was, I guess I was enjoying that snack too much and got a little excited. Anyways, if you'd like to join me, the phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. Uh, or if you're out of town, 1-800-563-7770. Uh, Mark from Prune It Up is supposed to call in a little bit later talk about the elm trees and the the we're getting close this is the last month where we can uh, prune our elms um until april 1st i believe is the is the deadline for pruning elms in calgary and alberta just to help stop the spread of dutch elm disease but lots going on in the garden center world right now you can get in there and and uh, start your seeds Spring bulbs are arriving, so all the fun stuff, the dahlias, um, lots of dahlias, gladiolas. Those are things that you don't typically find in the garden center anymore is the is the gladiola. Um, typically, you'll find it in the bulbs. It's been tougher to, to grow uh, those and, and move them because typically most of the garden centers no longer grow in-house per se, so we typically bring them in. So... And, uh, yeah, anyways, that's, uh, that's sort of what's going on in the garden center. Lots of seeds. Super happy with the seed selection we have this year. Um, we have the new Pacific Northwest seeds. Uh, great selection. And they have some different stuff in there that, uh, that some of the other varieties haven't had. So if you're looking for something a little bit different, check out the Pacific Northwest seeds. They're great um, varieties. And I just will say the price point is a little bit less than all the other ones that we do carry as well. A great quality seed and uh, typically in the one ninety nine a pack. And uh, we also carry the other two premium ones in our area in Western Canada, what I like to say are the premium ones, West Coast. And we have the Wild Rose Heritage Seeds as well, which are local Albertan seeds, which are great as well. So very fortunate. Uh, we're, we have a great seed selection. And at this time of year, this is when you do it. And again, as we've talked before in the past, when you are doing your seeds, just don't go too crazy. Just start out with, if, you, if you're new to it, start out with five or six and then go from there. And then and, and grow if you want to grow in containers, just take your time. Don't don't go too crazy right off the bat because uh, it can be overwhelming if you get too much going. And as well as starting them in in the house, just if, starting too early, and they this by the time summer comes, because honestly, like I was saying, a lot of the stuff we can't put outside until 
um, end of May. So even after the first day of spring, um, we still have a, a couple months before we're safely putting a lot of the stuff outside. But right now I'm going to go to the phone line. Cheryl's up early and she's out uh, out in Okotoks. So let's see what's going on out there. Good morning, Cheryl. Good morning. How are you? Good, good. How are you doing? Good. How can we help you? Um, what I was wondering is I planted some lavender seeds indoor, but I'm wondering what kind of fertilizer to kind of boost them to get them going. Um, we do have a, a seed starting fertilizer, and what it does, it really helps with the damping off as well. It's it's made by Evolve, and it just builds up the root system and builds up the stems nice and thick. Okay. Um, so that... When when they're young, if you're using good soil, they don't need a lot of fertilizer typically. But with with some of the, if you're worried about damping off and building good structure, the salt, the the evolve seed and um, starter seed and cutting starter, it's it's a really good fertilizer. It's uh, just like I said, it's not huge, won't put lots of growth, but it builds the tissues up and gets them nice and thick. Oh, perfect. Okay. What kind of seeds have you started? Um, well, I've actually been doing quite a few different ones. Like, um, I've been doing some herbs and tomato. I'm probably a little bit early on all of that. <laughs> yeah, but the herbs are okay because lummy you can grow into pots and then you can g- grow them in the house. And and with, with, with the herbs, just make sure you're growing stuff that you're going to use because once they get growing, um, if you're not cutting them and using them, they will go to seed fairly quickly, some of them. Okay. So that's always the key, is to to ensure that you're going to use them and and pick varieties like even like the mojito mint. Even if you don't drink mojitos, they're great just in water and ice water. You you pick off some of the and mojito loves being pinched. So you take a few pinches, um, you mullet, you know, you mash it up a little bit, and then you just get all those great flavors of that into your drinks, into your water, into your club soda, whatever you're having. Or if you if you do drink mojitos, that works well as as well. So. Oh, perfect. Okay, so like the lemon balm and all of Absolutely. that as well? Yeah, okay. so yeah just, yeah, just make sure you're picking stuff that you, hey, I'm going to use this, because some of the herbs get going pretty good, So, um, which is awesome. But again, if you get too many going, you end up throwing away more than you use. So, okay. Yeah, but you can also dry a lot of the herbs. And uh, you, you mentioned tomatoes. So you, you got, how, what kind of varieties do you got going? Oh, you know what? I'd have to run down. Okay, that's okay. I, I, <laughs> I can't remember to be honest. Okay, with you. the the biggest thing with your tomatoes is that they need to get transplanted a couple times. So when they get up to about two or three inches high, they need to be transplanted into like a four inch pot, and then okay, and plant them fairly deep, like bury them halfway, like up the stem. Remove any of the foliage in that stem that's sort of an inch below, and and bury it at that time. And then when you go to the next one, it gets about six, eight inches high. Then you can go into a nice big pot and, again, bury it half or three quarters, but pull all the bottom foliage off, leave about two or three sets of leaves on the top, and then you can bury it at that time. And uh, and that what that does is when you look at a tomato stem, it has all these little hairs and stuff coming, and those all turn into super strong root structures. So give you so you're that way your tomatoes aren't floppy. 
Oh, perfect. Okay, that's wonderful. Because I see that a lot. I see a lot of tomatoes in people's yards or people pictures, and they send me in. Um, they're just flopping over. But if you plant them nice and deep, you'll, you, it'll circumvent that, and then you'll get nice, strong, stocky tomatoes, which will be able to stand up and hold lots of fruit for you. Oh, wonderful. I appreciate all your help. You're welcome. And this when you get to the time of fertilizing, 15, 30, 15 for most of your veggies and that, because that produces flowers and which will produce most of your fruit. So that's a great all-purpose fertilizer for a lot of stuff, 15, 30, 15. Okay, perfect. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks, Cheryl. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. And I'm going to go down to Lethbridge. Good morning, Barbara. Hi, good morning, Merle. How are you this morning? I'm doing great. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Except uh, for my uh, tongue feels a little bit, when I, and I'm having to talk for two hours. It's sort of, it, I don't know why I did it yesterday. It was kind of funny. I was with my son, and, and, and we, were, we, were, we stopped for a quick snack, and then uh, I go, ah, and he goes, what's wrong? <laughs> I go, I bit my tongue, and then, and it's, it's a hard, uh, just, anyways, I'll be okay. <laughs> well, you'll have to suck on some ice chips. Does that help? It can't hurt. <laughs> I got my coffee, so I'll see if that <laughs> Maybe iced tea, Merle. There you go. I'll give that yeah. a try. Uh, last Sunday, you were talking about uh, wildflowers. Mm-hmm. And uh, we specifically grew wildflowers in all of our uh, deck boxes just uh, to attract the bees. Yeah. We also attracted hummingbird moths. Oh, yeah. Those are kind of cool, aren't they? We never would have noticed them if it hadn't been for the cat. Oh, really? Because they, yeah. it, it's kind of neat. Like, they look like they're, they almost look like alien, right? Because they're, they're kind of big. And they're like... We honestly thought at first that they were hummingbirds until my granddaughter took a picture. Yeah. yeah. And then we looked it up on the web, and she says, no, those are hummingbird moths. So that was a first for us. We'd never seen those before. And um, we grew those tubular fuchsias. Yeah. And the hummingbirds love those. Yes. Um, the tubular ones, um, they're the ones that stand up a bit higher, right? Like. Yeah, I think they can. you can grow them into a tree. Yeah. And then also, you can almost grow any fuchsia into a tree. It's just more of staking it and growing and, 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 and just uh, doing a bit of pruning as it goes up. Okay. Um, one of the other one is, and it's I believe it's part of the, and we talked about it last week, was that vermilion, vermilionaire. Yeah, I wrote that one down. It's a it's a phenomenal. One. I got we have lots of fuchsias in our in when the greenhouse when we got it going, and the the that would always bring in the hummingbirds. But then when we brought in that vermilionaire, I couldn't believe like they all just went to that because it, it's a little bright. It looks like that's almost how they made the. Um, hummingbird feeders. They tried to simulate the vermilionaire just because the just the, the way they it, it just looks like it. This has that long red, red oh, throat. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, and we found that these moths and the hummingbirds they would always show up at around dusk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were surprised by that too. <laughs> yeah, no, actually, and we, and we seem to get a little bit in the morning because we have one of our perennial houses is shaded, so they tend to go in there when it was a little bit cooler. So. Well, that that's pretty neat, but I'm going to continue with the the wildflowers. So, so how did it work? But they, did it look quite nice in the in the in your boxes? Like oh, this? they were wonderful. My problem was I grew, I planted them too dense. Yeah. <laughs> I went a little wild with the with, with the, the wildflower. Yeah. yeah, and uh, I didn't realize that there were also ones that come back every year. 
Yeah, and it depends on what mixes. There's some really good mixes, and yeah. there's a lot of them that are kind of just annuals. And but you just got to watch. Sometimes they have some invasive species in them, and and that can cause because um, they try to put things in there for people with success and some of the less expensive yeah. varieties. So sometimes you get some invasive species. Well, is, and is baby's breath considered one that? Um, they don't want you to grow. Yeah, it is one that they sort of they count as an invasive species, I believe. Gypsophilia. Yeah, there, there is that in that mix. Yeah. Yeah. So you just have to, uh, and, and but you have it in containers, fairly self-contained. Yes. And uh, no, that's awesome. So. Yeah, perfect. they're absolutely wonderful. They love the the morning sun. Uh, they're fairly easy to to maintain. They, yeah. You don't have to water them all that often. I mean, you know, once a day during the Yeah, summer, it just depends on size of pot, right? And, and if you're doing the wildflower, I'd probably use a fairly big pot, like if you get oh, at yeah. least the 20 inches or something like that. So. Yeah, these are the long uh, deck ones. Oh, nice. Sort of yeah. window boxes. Yes, they work absolutely marvelous for that. Perfect. Okay. Thanks, well, Barbara. Thank you. I just wanted to share that about those uh, hummingbird moths. No, that, I love those. They're kind of, like I said, first one I seen one was a couple of years ago. And I'm like, what is that? It almost yeah. looks alienish because it's, it, yeah, they exactly. fly in slow motion too, kind of, right? They're just floating around. Yeah, yeah it's kind of cool. But now it's just something more to, to look out for and not just hummingbirds. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, have a great weekend. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks, Barbara. You're welcome. Bye-bye. 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 All right. I need to take a break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Prune It Up, Calgary's trusted ISA certified tree service company. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. We got you covered. I got one text. It was kind of funny. Uh, and, he, and he just texted back, just joking. But he goes, I wish you knew how to bite your tongue. <laughs> There's probably some days where definitely, and I've uh, decided not to do too many political rants anymore. There's enough of that. And uh, you guys hear that all through the week. So we'll try to stick to gardening now as we head into April here coming up soon. We're halfway through March almost. Um, I'm always amazed at how fast the time goes, and it just uh, this feels like January just doing Christmas trees, and then boom, it's March, and a couple more months we'll be right into right into the May and the gardening season. The best time around in Calgary. It's a, it's a, quite a beautiful city for gardening, so we can grow lots of different things. And there's some things you shouldn't try to grow. So just if you have any questions like that, you can give me a shout. Phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255 or 1-800-563-7770. Those are both the talk and text lines. And uh, so if you have any pictures of anything you want to send me or uh, or just text a question by all means, or you can also call on those lines. So, And the phone in line is 403-974-8255. Got a text here. Good morning. Love your show. A Sunday morning must here. I have my tomatoes growing under lights and find some of the leaves are circling under. Also have a few of the blossoms just fall off without producing fruit. Why would this happen? Well, and they do need to be pollinated, so um, so they need that cross pollination. So you get a couple going. So some of it you might have to just do with a with a Q tip or or a little brush. You sort of brush the pollen. Um, I think it might be a little bit early 
Um, and if they're circling under, if they're going really hard, um, if you actually, if you're able to text a picture of that, that would be great to just see because um, typically you might have the lights too close to. So there could be a couple things going um, if they get up a certain height, you got to keep the, the lights away. But if they curl over and kind of look like they go mutated, um, there's a fungus that tomatoes get. And if it gets to that point, you're just better off to throw them away. Um, it, it just, you, it almost, they get deformed. It's like, unfortunately, it's almost like if someone has really bad arthritis in their hand and it curls up, that's what these leaves do. And it's, uh, you can't cure it, and it's fairly um, contagious, so it'll spread to your other plants. So you just got to make sure um, with that. And tomatoes, they can run a little bit drier. Like, they don't mind to dry out a little bit. Good watering, like when you do water them, water them right thoroughly through. But they don't mind to dry out a bit. They don't like to stay real wet So because they hold a fair bit of moisture in their in their stems and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, but right now, where we were mid March, April, May, yeah, this is about time when you want to start. Um, if you if you want to grow any petunias, a lot of your flowering plants, you can start some of the snapdragons. Some of these are ones that take a little bit longer. If you venture to to try some of those, I always try to grow. Um, if you're going to grow some of the bigger plants, like the the dahlia bulbs or some of those things, trying to grow all your petunias. Because typically they're fairly reasonably priced, and 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 to get them to a certain size, they take a little bit longer to um, produce. And a lot of the good seed isn't available in seed, like some of those proven winners, like the vistas, and some of these ones. They're not uh, available to us typically in the seed, um, because they're all trademark, and you have to be a, a certified grower to grow a lot of those real nice varieties that you'll see in some of the hanging baskets and things like that. So, and and some of the things like Dracaenas, the hardu. Other ones I'd like to grow at home is uh, like canna lilies. You start them early because then by summertime, you're going to have nice big ones and things like that. Obviously, tomatoes. Some of your peppers take a little bit longer. Those are great ones. So, anyways, um, actually, I'm almost at the end of the hour. And when we come back, we'll go back to the phone line. But if you'd like to join me, there's some spots after the break here. 403-974-8255 or 1-800-563-7770. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. <clears throat> Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs. And I was just, uh, we're going to go to the phone lines first here. Good morning, Gudrun. Good morning. How are you? I'm well, thank you. And you? Very, very good. How can we? Uh, how can I help you this morning? I I have a bougainvillea. Yeah. It's very tall, and I like to get cuttings from it. But I tried it once, and they don't do it very good. Um, typically, if you're going to take cuttings from a bougainvillea, you typically have to do it from the tips, right? The last six inches or so. Yeah. And you have to do it at one one of wherever the leaves. And unfortunately, the bougainvillea. Um, they don't, like, the nodes aren't that close together. Like, on the ends, they come out. You got a leaf and then another leaf every two or three inches. Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. have to do it just below where one of the leaf um, nodes are. Yeah. Because yeah. that's where it'll send out the roots. Did you use a rooting hormone? 
Yes, I do. Do I put it in water or in no, soil? No, it should be right in soil. Um, huh. Dip it into like a number on soft. You could probably do a number one or number two rooting hormone on those. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, <laughs> but they don't come. <laughs> I have two go. Beautiful. I mean, they had started new leaves and everything, and now they're gone again. I would just say, um, again, do you put them in soil? I no, I had them in water first. Yeah, I would just go right into soil. It just in soil. Yeah, and this, and you got to make sure, like, because when you dip it in the rooting hormone, yeah, um, you'll see, and then you just put it right into soil from there. Too much water for it for those, and then I would just try it that way and keep it covered up, and try. But you have to make sure that it has a couple of the nodes like this. That yeah. This go like a like just a tiny bit below where the leaf is. Mm-hmm. Cut it there, and then you pull the leaves off. Dip it, dip it into your rooting hormone. Poke yeah. it with a pen or something, or a or a little uh, knitting needle, and make a little hole in the soil. Put oh, the yeah. stem in there. Yeah, and yeah. and then keep it a little bit moist, and try and cover it with a like a. Even if you use like you know those little glass or the plastic thing that you get your tomatoes in or something like that those clump. Yeah, i never did that yeah because mm-hmm. then it keeps the humidity up and those work great for if you're just trying to do a few little few little cuttings like that yeah i tried to put it in the sun and i thought maybe it will be, be better in there because the, the <clears throat> big plant is in the south side yeah they just again i would do it more in soil not in uh all right Maybe that uh, rooting uh, powder was a little old. It should be fine. I, I've had it. I've used it, and it's usually pretty old. I would just because once you put it in the water, it kind of washes it away. Yeah. So I, I would just try it in soil. Mm-hmm. Okay. All I, right. That. Yeah, I listen to you every Sunday. I have. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay. Good. All right. Have a good one. You too. Thank you very much. You're Mama. very welcome. Bye-bye. Bye bye. All right. And I got time. I'm going to go to Mark. He's here with uh, from Prune It Up. We're going to talk about uh, pruning your trees right now because right now is the time where you can see so many things going on with your trees. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, Merle. How are you doing? I'm doing great. You know, just uh, <laughs> except for enjoying that snow we got. Yeah, it's a little bit too cold for me for in March. You kind of hoping that'd be warmed up by now, but uh, but it's still a great time. Um, to do any pruning um, to your trees. I'm seeing, and it's amazing, there's some spots where I'm still seeing so much black knot and different things. So what should, what, what kind of things should people be doing with pruning right now? Or I know uh, there's a few things going on, so maybe let us know what's going on. Well, with the, the Schubert's and the Maydays, visually it's a lot easier to see the, the black knot. So just... You know, make an effort to get out in your yard. I know everybody's itching too, but, you know, just get out there and take a look around and, and it, you know, inspect those those tips of the branches, follow them down the trunk, look for, you know, open spores. Uh, you can really notice the, the swollen tips on the on the Mades and Schubert, so those are pretty, pretty noticeable. But, you know, now is the time. You know, you want to get out and just walk around your yard and, and kind of take a look at it because, you know, we're coming into spring here and you're going to end up spending a lot more time in your yard. So, you know, if, if you can be proactive and get out and, and inspect stuff now and get it ready for, for the season, you're going to be 
a lot better off. Especially even like with the black knot, just because of it does, it's fairly contagious and we're heading into the time when it kind of, I guess they call it, it comes to bloom almost, right? Start sending out all the spores. So if you can get it cleaned up now, you're not going to be spreading it to your neighbors. And I really notice it up in some of the older neighborhoods where um, some of the, the Bailey's Select um, Schubert's were planted and there's a few of the varieties that were, were not very disease resistant and man, they have so much black knot, it, it's crazy. And uh, and also in uh, Millrise, and, yeah, yeah, evergreen is bad because they planted a whole bunch of Schubert's close to the natural area, which was not the best idea at that time because the you get the Prunus native choke cherry, which has the black knot, and it spreads quite rapidly up to the to the to the Schubert's that you plant. So, yeah, just just kind of do that visual inspection. Um, like I said, if you can if you can get it dealt with now when it's easier to spot, do that. Uh, if you do notice it on your on your neighbors, I mean, most people do talk to their neighbors. You know, maybe let them be aware of it as well, and and hopefully everybody can kind of get on the same game plan and get it taken care of so it's not getting passed back and forth. Yeah. Hey, can also, I just, uh, I'm yeah. just going to actually have a caller who's just called in with regarding black dot. I thought I'd bring her on the on the air and maybe you can answer it for. Awesome. Here we go. Just hang one sec. Good morning, Shelly. Good morning. How are you today, Merle? Good, good. And I got Mark, our uh, ISA certified uh, arborist on the line and the manager of the Prune It Up. Um, Good morning, Shelly. Well, last year, with our 25-year-old Schubert Terry, we got an aggressive case of black knot, and my father took the chainsaw and cut it to the ground. Okay. So... With uh, all of my rhubarb and my raspberries that are around there, I'd like to know what I can use um, to remove the root without having all the suckers come up and affecting, you know, I don't want to poison it or anything to affect my rhubarb and my raspberries. What would you recommend? Mark? So so you're probably your best thing to do is because when you remove a tree, you have all that stored energy in the ground. Correct. And it, there wants to be a tree there, so you're going to get that suckering. But if you do stump grinding, uh, you go about 12 inches below grade, it'll get that root ball out. You you probably will get some suckering, but mm-hmm. if you stay on top of it, you just keep clipping it. You can't really spray anything because it will affect your, your other plants around it. Okay. So it's going to be a little bit of hard work for a season or two. Just keep clipping the stuff that the sucker shoots as they come up. If you stay on top of it that way, you're going to be better off than trying to spray some chemical on it and affecting your your other plants around it. Okay, yes, that's what I... Yeah, Schubert's are sometimes the... They sucker a lot, and sometimes you just have to get in there and uh, either hire somebody to get in and just do what we call it a full root removal, and you get in and you just dig out the root, replenish the soil... And then that way you just sort of, it's a bit of a, a bigger tr- uh, job at first, but then it's all looked after, and then you can just continue gardening. I think I might have to go that route. Yeah, it's it's one where you find, a couple, a, find a couple young guys that want to earn a little bit of money and <laughs> yeah. <Strong> back. <laughs> get, get them digging. It, it's not an easy job, right? And uh and and because you you have to go down two or three feet because the Schubert at that big one like that will have a big root system. So, 
Oh, yes. Okay. Thank you very much. All right. Looking forward to summer. All right. Thanks, Shelly. Hey, Mark, I'm just going to put you on hold. We're just going to take a quick break. for. Uh, we got to do some commercials, and we'll come back. And we got one more uh, question on some trees and shrubs, and then I know you want to fill us in on some elms and some other stuff, what's going on. Uh, when we get back, you're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770-CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening, and uh, I have Mark Terozo with us, and he's from Printed Up. Um, welcome back, Mark. I'm just going to get uh, Genevieve on the line here, and we'll just talk about, because i got a couple of things with Haskups and Saskatoons, um, what we're recommending um, we do with them at this point. Good morning, Genevieve. Good morning, Meryl. How are you? Very good. How oh, can we? wonderful sunshine today. Isn't it? Big Alberta sky. Yes, we do. Absolutely. How uh, how can we help you this morning? I would like to know. I have a uh, Saskatoon bush out for out my backyard, southwest Calgary. It's doing beautifully. It was two feet high when I got it. Now it's like seven. Can I trim off the top so it doesn't grow too tall in the neighborhood? Mark, what would you recommend there? So, um, depends. Like, are you keeping it for privacy? Um, a lot not of people so do, do not so much. So you can tip them. You don't want to go too aggressive on it um, because then they can end up getting a little bit uh, woody at the base. So oh, really? Yeah, hmm. I, I like you can tip them slightly, um, but you know they're they're meant to be a little bit taller as well. So it's going to be uh, you know, how tall would it get? They, um, they yeah. they're in the twelve. 13, 14 feet, yeah. Oh, no. (laughs) I don't want it that tall in the neighborhood. Yeah, but that's kind of, and if you want them for fruit, if you tip off too much, you won't get the fruit as much as well, so. Oh, hmm. Because on the wider and more fruit, but I guess yeah. Well, at this year, like when you first tip it, you won't get it because you'll lose a lot of the blooms in that. Okay. So. Maybe I'll just trim off a couple of the taller ones and leave it. Yeah, it, and, you know, get the deadwood removed out of it as well. There's not much, it hasn't been much deadwood in there. No, no that's, a, that's good too. a lot of fruit. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, just, I think do what Mark was saying, just tip off a bit off the top just to tr- keep it contained. Just don't get into anything thicker than your pinky finger. Like, don't go down any further than your, like, the thickness of your pinky on Ooh. the on the branches. Ooh. And, yeah, so you just got to do the tips, like six, eight inches off the top. That's all? Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, when would I do that? You can do that right now. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. I just be careful. Too yeah, no. just be careful out there. Yep. Okay. All right. I'll wait. Okay. All right. Thank Bye-bye. You. <laughs> Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, that's always the, the one thing is safety when people get out pruning their own stuff, and I've been that backyard pruning guy. On, the, on a regular <laughs> ladder, and it is like, what are you doing? Especially with the ice right now in people's yards because everything melting. And yeah, absolutely. So, what what are a few things people should be concerned with uh, regarding pruning and and that right now in Calgary? Well, of course, like what you just said, the, the melting ice. Um, your your if you own pets, uh, your yard probably isn't the cleanest right now because. It's tough to get out when we got snow, but uh, you know, just just be aware that 
We do only have a couple more weeks for elm pruning. Um, now's a really good time to get trees out that, um, you know, you've probably been considering taking out because now if you get it out, then you have uh, a clean slate, so to speak, uh, when, when trees do come into the nursery. Um, so just kind of, you know, walk your yard now and kind of make the decision on what you want to. Is there something should people be looking for in an elm? Like just, uh, what are you looking for? Like to decide if it needs to get pruned or. Just dead wood, if it needs thinning, if you need to get the clearance from the house, because, you know, we only do have that, that couple more weeks, uh, that we can, because you have to prune it during dormancy because the, the, the ban the city places so they don't spread such elm disease. So we're kind of looking for dead damage and disease branching, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, broken branches, okay. um, clearance from, from the house. If, you know, you notice that those, the branches are starting to get too heavy and, and low to the ground. You want to get that done now. Okay. Do you have time for one more? I just after the break, yep. and sure. then I'll just put you on hold here one more time, Mark, and then we're going to go to Jimmy as some tree questions as well. All right. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I'm here this morning, Mark, from Prune It Up, is uh, has joined us as well. So welcome back, Mark. A couple of quick ones. Is there any trees that you shouldn't be pruning right now, or...? Is it pretty pretty open season on most? Um, it's pretty open season right now. Um, I'd probably no. It's actually pretty pretty open season right now. Like, I guess yeah. the only one you got if you're worried about getting blooms like on lilacs, like don't top your lilacs way back right now because you're going to lose a lot of your blooms and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, hundred percent. Okay, Jim has a question. He's a customer. Of, of yours that uh, he, you removed a tree, but he wants to know what he can put back in there. So good morning, Jim. Uh, good morning, Merle. How are you doing? Oh, I'm pretty good, thanks. Good, good. Yeah, um, so what we had was we had the absolutely beautiful Toba Hawthorne. It was about 25 years old or so. Yeah. And uh, in that snowtember storm four or five years ago, um, some of the branches got broken down with the weight of the snow. Yeah. So we had uh, an arborist come out, and he bolted it back together, and, and it worked quite fine for about two years. And then uh, we started to see signs of fire blight in it, okay. in that tree. And so then we pruned it heavily, or at least had arborists prune it heavily for three years running, trying to stop the fire blight. And then it got so there was nothing left of the tree. We'd done so much pruning, so we had you guys take it out just this month. Yeah, it's it's a it, that's a tough one when you when you get the fire blade in there. Hey, Mark, like there's only so many things, and and it got gets to a point where it's either yeah, we probably just best to remove it. So yeah, well, that's actually when Jeremy took it down. He said, "Oh, good thing you took it down. The whole inside of it was rotten." So so that was a good thing. But the question mm-hmm. that I have moving forward is that. Tasso is the perfect tree for the location, and and we like the blooms, and we like the berries, and it attracts the birds, and it was perfect. And so the question I would have is, if um, would that fire blight have gotten down into the soil, or can I put another Toba hawthorn in? Or the other question is, is there another hawthorn similar to it that's not susceptible to fire blight? Mark, do you... Uh... 
I'm I'm just trying to re- remember Jim's property. Uh, yeah, we're in Midnapore. In Midnapore, was it against the back fence? Yes. Okay. We're yeah. Gonna, so, we're going to move it about stuff? ten feet from there to make the location better, but it's going to be close. Did we for you, Jim? I'm sorry. Did we stump grind that for you? Uh, yeah, just two days ago. Okay, so you're you're probably going to want to get the the mulch um, that that from the tree um, hauled away. And yes, then, I was going to do that. Yeah, and get some new soil put in there. So if they're if it did get into the the root system, you're not going to spread it to new tree. Okay, so, so so it does go down into the root system and could stay there and and hurt well, the new trees. Well, just to be safe, you want to make sure you get all of that out of there. Yeah. Okay. It is a blight, like so. It is like a, it's an airborne spore, fungus type thing. Yeah, good. This is the second tree over thirty years we've lost to fire blight. The, the other one was a mountain ash. So yeah, so both those common. ones. So one you might want to try, and you go into a different variety here, and it would be a gladiator crab apple. Same growth form, but you get pink flowers. It has a little bit of a copper colored leaf, um, almost crimson leaf. Um, quite a great tree, like they kind of in that same form as a, and that like a little bit columnar, not too, too wide, about 12, 15 feet wide at the most when it gets big, but they're, they're fairly disease resistant. They don't get the blights and stuff. Uh, and do they produce uh, a messy fruit that's nope, going to drop all over the ground? No, or? and whenever I mention crab apple, people always get a little bit, oh my God, they get the, the thought of that, uh, the dog old crab that used to be in everyone's front yard. Well, yeah, no, I'm thinking about that too, you see. So. Oh, I absolutely, I removed one from my other house I had in Sundance. Um, no, these are really an ornamental and it stays on there. So most of the time the birds eat it all. You maybe get a couple drop, but it's not uh, not a messy tree at all. Oh, okay, good. And is it susceptible to any other diseases? No, it's been bulletproof. Like it's a great tree. Like it's okay. and beautiful pink blooms. It, it, it's it's really 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 quite nice. Oh, okay. The reason I ask that is that uh, my next door neighbor has a mayday tree that's just full of black knot, and if if it was susceptible to that, then it wouldn't work. No, you're definitely safe on that one. Okay, good. All right. Well, that was all I needed to know was what I should put in. So Yeah, just come down to it. the, hopefully, and we're still a couple months away, but once we get into May, um, we'll have a lot of the trees in stock, and then you can uh, have a look and get it set up for, uh, we can come out and plant one up for you. Yeah, well, oh, it's okay. I'm I'm a gardener. I'll I'll dig a three-foot round and three-foot deep hole and plant it myself. Perfect. But, but uh, the other question then is uh, on a caliper-sized uh, Gladiator crab, roughly what do those run? You, anywhere from the f- typically three ninety nine up to five ninety nine, six ninety nine, depending on the size. Oh, okay, good. Because I I like to put a bigger tree in because yep. we like to feed the birds, and so we'd like to start with absolutely. With something, something yeah, you got lots them. of lots of space <laughs> back there along your back fence to put a, a good sized tree in there. Yeah. Okay. And so, how far should I uh, bring it up up from the fence into the lawn? Like it was, uh, was right back at the fence before. And yeah, I'd probably come come out about three feet from that fence for sure, and that would be the back side of your hole. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Perfect. I all think right. That's got it all answered. Thanks, Jim. Okay. Thanks, yep. Merle. Thanks, Mark. Take care. No bye bye. Okay. Bye. All right. Thanks, Mark, for calling in, and we'll let you go. And uh, have a great rest of your Sunday, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. You as well. Thanks, buddy. Take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. we got to take a break for the news you're listening to. Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR.
Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. If you'd like to join me, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255 or 1-800-563-7770. That is the talk and text line. Got a couple of texts here. It says, hi, Morel. Is it time to trim the Haskett bushes? Also, how much to trim back an overgrown nine bark? 25% of it or take it back more? Thanks. Joyce in Okotoks. Um, with your with your nine barks, if the, if it's old and lots of deadwood and stuff like that, um, those love being taken right back down to the ground. Or you can just prune them like a hedge. They're one of the ones that I like to recommend to replace the ketoniaster hedge, as as the ketoniasters have really been decimated with the scale throughout the city. Um, it's really, really, really quite nasty. So the nine bark makes a great hedge, and it likes to be pruned and, and kept trimmed, if you like, and you can square it off. Um, you can just keep it as a four-foot hedge, three-foot hedge, or a or a five-foot hedge. Nice thing with them, they can get quite tall, and they'll thicken up real nice for you. So, uh, again, uh, those are great. The Haskup, again, you guys are going to watch. If you trim back too much right now, um, you're going to lose a lot of your fruit. So you want to make sure that you're not taking out too much. Typically, we like to prune them after they've done fruiting, and then you just trim them back and only remove dead, damage, or disease branching, because um, otherwise, uh, yeah, they just don't, and they're not they're not going to get too too crazy on you. Like I've seen them in the six seven feet high. I haven't seen them a whole lot higher than that. And but they don't mind to be tipped off a bit at the top. That'll help thicken them up and get a bunch more. Uh, uh, blooms and uh, more branching going for you. And then I had another one. Is it all right to prune off the lower limbs of my apple and my crab apple? No, it, it's a it's a great time right now. So it's fine to prune off your apples, things like that. Um, again, just got to be careful on tipping them too much. Um, if you're removing full branches for a reason like that, absolutely, it's it's fine. Um, again, you just don't want to prune too much off any of the growth up top as you will lose any of your um, apples and things like that to create blooming, which you don't want to do. And one more here. What to know to make sure I get raspberries this year as I have lots of bushes but not much fruit. Anything to cut, please advise. Love your show. Oh, and after your company removed my lower aspens four years ago last summer, the roots have not showed up. Thank you. Awesome. Well, that's good to hear. Um, on your raspberries, typically you've got to remove all the old deadwood. So when you go in, you'll look at the branches right now, all the stems. You'll kind of see a light brown and a darker brown or gray color. We want to move the darker brown or the gray colored branches or the stems on your on your raspberries, and that'll open up more airflow and create more energy going to those um, the wood from last year because that's where the fruit will come on. So you just got to thin them out. And, and those are a pain, so make sure you have some good gloves and uh, and uh, get in there with good sharp and get go as low as you can um, right down to the ground. But now is a good time to do it because there's not a lot of leaves and obviously on there you can get in there and uh, and do that. So hopefully that helps. And I'm going to go to the phone line. We're going to go to Mario. Good morning, Mario. Good morning. How are you doing today? Not too bad. Nice and bright out there. Yeah, it is, isn't it? That's the one thing I love about Alberta, right? You just yeah. even on those cold days, you hit the big bright sun. It feels pretty good. 
Kind of cheers you up, yes. Listen, I got, <clears throat> I've got something odd to ask you. Probably not too many people have got this, but anyway, I've got a grapevine growing in my sun in my sunroom. Okay. And it's quite big. It's I've had it quite a few years now. The bottom, the stalk is about, oh, it's got to be close to two inches. Wow. And I got this. I got two runners off it. Probably about twelve, uh, about twelve feet long. Okay. They're about uh, quarter of an inch, three quarter of an inch, uh, something like that. Now, what I want to know, see, I, they produce grapes, but they're quite small. I made a problem with the, they don't produce a full size. Uh, what I want to know is I've been pruning them, yeah. and I, I leave, uh, what would you call it, uh, a, a branch every every seven, eight inches. Okay? Yeah. Now, the, the branch that I left, I left in, the, uh, in uh, last spring. Now, do I cut them off back to the stock? <clears throat> Excuse me, or do I leave those and let them sprout? You know uh, what I'm saying? Huh? Yeah, no, I would leave them and let them sprout. And uh, so, are you getting like the fruit that you get? It just never comes to fruition. It just stays small, or well, they they, they come sweet and everything. <clears throat> but I don't know, maybe if it's got too much fruit or whatever. But they don't come full size. It's a it's an emerald grape. I don't know, see there's white grapes. I don't know if you ever heard. Of yeah, them. no, and those are sort of those are those are decently uh, usually a fairly good size. Yeah, I know, I know, but they they don't come too big. Plus, it's... when they, when they when the grape bunches grow, the end of the grape bunch, the 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 beads, they quite they they get dry up and they fall off. So there must be something. I think. And or, what's and how, do you have them in big pots or how do you how it, you grow them? This is, excuse me, I got a frog in my throat this morning. No worries. These are planted right in the dirt in the, inside the. Uh, oh, like a sunroom type thing. The sunroom, but it isn't either. But the the dirt by the by foundation, it never free, it doesn't freeze anywhere. Time. Okay, so they do go dormant then. So you do lose the leaves. Oh yeah, they're oh, dormant. Okay, they're, awesome. Okay, perfect. But uh, what I know, what I know is the, the branches that uh, okay, I I grew from last spring. You know. Yeah. No, no, I cut them back a little bit. Do I? Cut back to the stock before they sprout again, or do I leave the? Because then, if I leave those branches, they keep growing and growing and growing, and they get get all out of hand. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, no, yeah. Maybe thin them out. Like so, sort of, I would maybe go through if it like if they're that old too. I would probably go through and thin out a bit more heavily. Like be a little bit more aggressive on your pruning. No, but I am. I left. I left one every seven eight inches. But I just want to know if uh, the, I should go to the to the stock itself, or if I just leave them. I, I, on some of now. them, I would definitely go back to the stock. Go back to the stock. And yep. Out. And then, are you fertilizing them? Well, I don't know what to give them. 15, 30, 15. 15, 30, 15, huh? Yeah, that's, that will definitely help with that. Um, so they definitely need food. So you're probably, Mario, and the reason you're not getting the fruit to, to full fruition, like, so it doesn't get as big, is that there's just not enough food. And then make sure you're doing that slow, deep watering when they get into that stage too, because uh, they're going to use up a fair bit. So make sure you put a soaker hose in there every so often. And I use, just, I use uh, the, the, the one that goes down to the ground, like a pipe, you know? Yeah, actually, if you can get one of those sweating hoses is better. Oh, is that right? Eh? Yeah, because then just put in there slow and deep, 
and then you're not blowing away any of the roots and stuff like that, just put that soaker hose on top, leave it for five or six hours once a week, and just get it down nice and deep. And then right after you water like that, that's when you start fertilizing. And you can start fertilizing that as soon as you start seeing growth. I would give it a really good watering, especially being inside because you don't get the winter. um, I I, I do some snow farming too. Okay, perfect. And then just... At that time, give it a really, really good shot of 10, uh, 15, 30, 15. Just on top of the soil. And yeah, you water it and you mix it with water, and oh. then you pour it in. It's a water-soluble. Oh, 15, 20, 15? No, 15, 30, 15. 15, yeah. 30, 15. Yeah. Well, okay, thank you very much. Are okay, you, what, get, what part of town uh, are you in, Mario? Thank you. What part of town are you in? I'm in Northwest Calgary, in Collingwood. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I was wondering. I had uh, we had a neighbor in the past when I when I lived in uh, Dalhousie, and I used to walk by, and he had a, a similar thing to what you're talking about with a whole bunch of grapes. I wasn't too sure if that was you, but uh, no, I never live in, in Dalhousie. All right. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Mario. Okay. Thank Take you. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. Awesome. Yeah, those, uh, and at first I thought he had them in the house, and I was wondering about them going dormant, um, but now it's more of like a sunroom type thing, so, um, which made a lot more sense. So that's kind of a neat, you're kind of creating your own little microclimate. But again, if you're trying to rejuvenate or if you have fruit or certain things in, in your yard, um, we always have to make sure that we're feeding them. Um, it makes all the difference. Get them onto a good feeding schedule. Um, a lot of your fruit trees, your your veggies, a lot of that, your hanging baskets. Um, the fertilizer, our soil typically doesn't have a whole lot of um, nutrients left in it um, by the time you grow into it for a few years. Um, it's heavy clay. It doesn't have a lot of nutrients. So we got to make sure we feed our plants and uh, and help them out that way to uh, to keep them going. But right now we're going to take a quick break. If you'd like to join me, the phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255 or 1-800-563-7770. We have a few spots, and that is for the talk and text. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Prune It Up, Calgary's trusted ISA certified tree service company. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. We got you covered. And uh, as Mark was saying there, you have a couple weeks left. If you have any elm trees that you need uh, looked at or something like that, just to make sure, because after April 1st, we can no longer do any pruning. And I got a text in uh, with a asparagus fern. And it's in a little bit rough shape. Um, what I would do with that fern is I would take it out of the pot and I would cut a lot of it right back and just remove a whole bunch of that dead. It almost, if you can put it onto a table, put some newspaper down or something and just sort of break apart a bunch of the root system. They're pretty strong. So I would just clean out a bunch of that and just leave yourself with a nice little healthy um, patch of that asparagus fern and then just repot it into new soil and you'll be amazed at how fast that thing will just take off again. And uh, it's just, it's trying to support all that old growth and old roots and stuff like that. So you just got to clean that all out, um, separate a bunch of it, end up with an, the size of like a cantaloupe size of root ball. If you end up with that, then you should be perfect after that point. Right now I'm going to go to Shirley. It's kind of nice. We're getting some people uh, from out of town calling in today. So we got Shirley from Bowden. Good morning, Shirley. 
Good morning. How are you, Merrill? Very good. How are you doing? Fine, thank you. How is it? Did you guys get much snow there last couple of days? Oh, heavens. <laughs> <laughs> it was minus 24 this morning. Ugh, that's too cold. snow. Yeah. And like I say, I can hardly wait that it goes. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I think we're all, uh, we've had enough. But the snow cover, I try to be optimistic, is uh, it's great for all our trees and shrubs. It's way better than being a dry winter where we have no snow cover. This way we have lots of snow cover, so there's moisture. It keeps the ground frozen, so all our trees and shrubs will do uh, really well in the spring as well as the perennials. So how yes, can I, I help will. you? Uh, I'm having a problem with uh, growing white bleeding hearts. Okay. And in my area, I don't know whether it's uh, the weather or what, but like I say, I put them in a part sun, light shade. Yeah. I fertilize and they're moist. Yeah. And I'm wondering if I could maybe go with uh, the wrong brand. Um, I, uh, With those, they do like a little bit shade. If it gets too hot, the white is one that... It performs nicely for a very short period of time and and doesn't it's not one that's gonna be super prolific. Like it it's nice for a bit, but then once it's kinda of done blooming it it's it's one that I'd use just as a background plant. I would I wouldn't have it front and center. It's not gonna give you that real big show. Like they're nice, but it's short lived if if that makes oh, any okay. Um, those a lot of the bleeding hearts, they're, they're, like you said, they're they're more they're gorgeous for that short period of time, but they're they're not going to give you that full summer of. But they do prefer a little bit more shade north side. Um, if they don't like to get too much sun if it gets too hot, especially the white one. They just they don't seem to like it. Mm-hmm. I find that out. Yeah, and and it, it, that's a really all I can say is that, and then just fertilize. Um, fifteen thirty fifteen is a great one. So. Yep. And then I use uh, semi-bi-weekly. I use 20, 20, 20. Yep, 20, 20, 20 is a great one, too. Yep. So I, that's what I do with mine. Yep, no, 20, 20, 20 is a great all-purpose um, okay. one. It, it works really well, and it sort of it's a good, well-balanced one. So. Oh, good, excellent. Yes, but if you're looking for, like, if you have that area where you that, like, so if you want something big and white, like an Annabelle hydrangea would do good in that area, like it's a it's a shrub, it it, it would okay. give you a little nice big white blooms, and it kind of likes that part shade, um, sun area. It'll do really well for you. What about the pantaloons? Um, a little bit, not as much. Okay. All right. Okay. Thanks for talking to me. Anytime. Thanks, Shirley. Have a good day. You too. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right, and I'm going to go out of town again one more time. I'm going to go down to High River. See what's going down with Mary. Good morning, Mary. <laughs> Guess what? What's up? I got a lipstick plant. Oh, nice. I'm going to put lipstick on a pig. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, need, I need some advice. Okay. There's nothing came with it. I got it for my birthday. Yeah. My nephew brought it out here. And there's about six of them, so I'm going to transplant. But there's nothing came with it. It just said lipstick. So you put them in, what do you, I'm going to transplant them in pots. Yep. And then how big do they get? They can get fairly big. Like, I would put them, like, I have one in my window right now, and it's actually blooming like crazy right now. Yeah, well, I've seen 
them. They're really cute. Yeah, and they like lots of sun. Oh, um, really okay. quite easy. Like I have mine in a sort of south window. Yeah, good. And I have it in about a 10 inch pot. Yeah, well, transplant them then because yeah. they're. they're there's if, about six of them in you, a little pot. Yeah, so if you so want to... I'm going to transplant them. Yeah, they, they work great as hanging baskets, too. Like, if you want to do oh, a hanging yeah, plant okay. in your house... Um, do better put than a, a bird in a... At least it won't spread seeds all over yeah, my Yeah, no, house. it'll put... Yeah, if you if you have a hanger, or one of those yeah, things right I in front do. of the window, um, they work really good as that, Mary. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, stick them in in a bigger pot. How tall do they get? They don't really get real tall. Like they get about three or four inches. They more droop over. Like they're more of a hanging. Oh, okay. Well, these little guys are about three inches now, or four. Yeah. Yeah, about four. So I want to transplant them. And so, how many would I put in a pot then? Well, I would put at least three in a ten-inch pot. Oh, in a ten incher. Yes. Oh, okay, and just put good soil in. Yeah, good potting soil. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, yeah. that'll be perfect. Okay. Thanks, Merle. Yeah, and then just once you get, it doesn't need food for a while if you have our soil, but then once you get into maybe summertime, maybe give it a shot of fifteen, thirty, yeah, fifteen. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I use in the house. I use that Schultz seven yeah. drops. Yep. Yeah. I like that in rainwater. Yep. Yeah, no, that works yeah, great. I save that all the time. Yeah, and then just take them over to the sink and so it won't drip all over the house. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Thanks, uh, Merle. Awesome, Mary. Have a great okay, one. You too, dear. Right. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. And I have a, a couple texts. It says, hi, Merle. For the caller who called regarding lavender, I was at the Calgary Hort Society Seed Starter Course on February 29th. They mentioned when planting lavender to put the seeds in a moist towel and then into a baggie and freeze for 24 hours. Apparently, this helps the seeds germinate quicker. Yes, it's called vernalization. So it's there's those ones, um, snapdragons. A lot of the herbs and the really hard, crusty seeds, sometimes they need that a little bit more help um, to get going. Um, so that um, that's very good advice. And uh, the Hort Society always has great advice on some of those issues and things like that. So... Uh, by all means, um, I would check their courses and uh, and see what else they get going. And anybody else calling in, um, thank you for that advice. And right now, we're just going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll go to the phone lines. And we got a few texts going on. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I do have a text here. It says, we live in Copperfield in the southwest. Um, we bought a little quickfire hydrangea. It flower- it hasn't flowered yet. We bought it back in 2017 from Spruce It Up. What are we doing wrong or tips on to get it to flower? We use miracle Grow on it now and again. Um, the biggest thing is where it's planted. Um, the quick fire do like a full sun area. If you're trying to get a hydrangea to bloom in the shade or, or part shade, um, you need to switch over to a Annabelle hydrangea. Um, they will perform really well in the in the shady or spots. But your uh, your quick fire, your little quick fire should bloom. Lots of sun. Um, depending on what Miracura, I would probably switch to the fifteen thirty fifteen. It's a little better quality fertilizer. Okay, and she just texts or he texts text back. It has full sun west facing. Um, the only thing I would say is 
uh, you say you cut it right back to the ground a couple of years ago. Could have been um, just maybe you had some winter kill. But typically with those ones, you don't cut them right back. Again, so it'll take, if you cut it back uh, a couple of years ago, hopefully this, this season you should see some blooms on it. You have to be, again, full sun, feed it with 15, 30, 15, make sure it's well hydrated. The third year is when you typically see a, a plant really takes off and gives you everything that it has. So you're 2017, we're in the third year here, so hopefully this will be the year you get something. Um, just make sure you're well-watered. If it's in a sunny, hot spot like that, and uh, feed it with 15, 30, 15, um, it should bloom for you because usually those are great performers. Like I've had numerous of those, um, the quick fires, and they usually do really, really quite well. So... Um, let's hopefully we can get something going for you on that one because uh, uh, otherwise they're not the best looking plant. They're okay, but they're not like a, you're not planting a hydrangea for the foliage. You're planting it to get those gorgeous blooms and uh, and go from there. Let's go to the phone lines. I got a, almost a full board. We're going to go to Barbara. Good morning, Barbara. Good morning, Merle. How can I help you? I, am, um, I have uh, an open yard. Yep. Um, one side west, one side north. Mm-hmm. Uh, I put the, on the north side, I did put uh, the ornamental Carl Forrester. Okay. But what's happening is, because I have a lot of traffic, uh, people are plucking. And um, it's like a chicken being plucked. But anyway, <laughs> and, and so um, I'm looking to do something just a little bit. I thought that that would work, but it's not. So I'm looking to do some kind of fruit bushes. Okay. So um, what do you have in mind? <laughs> Are you trying to create a bit of a hedge? Yes. Okay. If it's on the north side, it is tougher to do fruit okay. um, if it's shadier because a lot of the fruit, they do need the full sun to perform better. Well, when the sun moves over in the summer, yeah, it does get sun. Okay. Like, how, like more than six hours? I would say in the afternoon it comes around, yeah. Okay, if it's getting an, like that much sun, then you should, there's a lot of the, um, I've done hedges out of like uh, Saskatoon's, the Haskups, um, there's some of the, the Carmine Jewel, like the, there's the bush ones, we have the, the cherries, the, the sour cherry ones. Oh, really? Yeah, um, another one I just had a flashback of when I was a kid, our, our neighbors uh, had a Nanking cherry hedge. And that was always fun for cherry fights. They had it all the way around their whole yard. And you'd see us kids. Um, we'd come home with red spots or like paintball, but we'd have uh, nanking cherry fights because they had so many. There was a whole hedge all the way around his whole yard. It was crazy. So okay. So- yeah. So those those and you're just thinking when people walk by instead of plucking the grass, they have something to eat. Well, I'm looking to actually keep them out of the yard because what happens is um, oftentimes they actually come into the yard. Okay. And so I'm trying to create a barrier, and especially people with their their um, dogs. Yeah. The dogs, they let them, because the leashes are, are, are like these fishing lines, right? Yeah. And so they come into the yard and they do their thing. Yeah. And I would prefer that that doesn't happen because I have to take care of the lawn. <laughs> no, absolutely. No. And uh, another one is the... One's a bit of a deterrent. Um, I'm just and I'm just going blank right now. The one with the has all the thorns on it. It's a it's, yes, <laughs> that works good as a hedge too. A little bit slower growing. Um, as a hedge, the nine bark really works quite well. It'll thicken up real nice. It won't give you the fruit, but it gives you a, a thicker 
um, branch. It, and it's hard to create a bit of a barrier with fruit. I'll be honest. Like it, besides like the Nanking cherry, that one works really well as a hedge. Um, if you're trying to keep the the dogs from coming in and, uh, I would, I would maybe look at doing, like I said, a nine bark or something like that, or put up a little bit of an ornamental type fence, just a, a bit of a deterrent. Okay, perfect. I will look into it and thank you so kindly. You're very welcome. And if you have anything else, let us know. Okay, I will. Thanks, Barbara. Bye-bye. All right, where am I at for time? I got time for one more here. Let's go to Joyce. Good morning, Joyce. Good, good. (laughs) I'm going to tell you a story about tried and true with my raspberries. Okay. And my golden elders. Okay. I wait until the spring, until they grow. And then I cut off the dead stuff. My raspberries go nuts. They drive me crazy picking so many. And the golden elder has just gone bonkers. It's huge. Okay. I cut off the dead stuff. Do you cut it back every year, like right down to the ground, or...? Just whatever doesn't grow, I whack it off. Yeah. But my raspberries, Merle, uh, I'm sick of them. <laughs> do, you, do you just got so many? Yes. Well, so do you remove the dead wood, like the the older stock each year? or? Yes, every spring. Yes. I wait for it to grow. Yeah. And then I go in there when I figure it's finished shooting out. Yeah. And I cut it back. Okay. Do you just take out the old wood then? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes, anything that doesn't grow, like I'll, I'll top it, you know, like it'll grow so far, and then up top there's dead. I yeah. Get, I chop it off. Okay. I get sick of picking raspberries. I get so many. That's well, that's <laughs> that's a good thing. <laughs> but it? they are so good. Like when you get them in, when you get raspberries going um, in the summer, man, it's nice. It is. I just mostly give them away. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I just thought I'd let you know I've been See, doing that. For that could years. be a, that would be another good hedge, but they are a bit invasive. You have to keep it contained for my pass caller. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it, they they work pretty and they're fairly aggressive, but you have to keep them like I said, just keep them contained. But they're the thorny ones, and they would I just uh, pull them out. Yeah. Yep. Perfect. Yeah. No, that's the way I do it. Awesome. I've been doing it for years, and it seems to work. Okay. Yeah, so I just thought I'd let you know. Awesome. Thanks, Joyce. Okay, have a good day. You as well. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and... I'm going to go to the phone lines, and we're going to see what's going on here with Bill. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, Bill. Good morning. How you doing? Good, good. How can I help you? Uh, a couple of things. So I had sent you that picture okay. of a couple of things. So one was um, I've got some of your uh, cucumbers and squash. Yeah, they started. look great. Already, yeah, they're they're going good, I think. Those ones, I've got a whole bunch of dates so that we get a production at different times going. I've got like 30 of them here, but I just sent you a few. Yeah. But I'm just wondering on the cucumbers, I've never done them this early inside. Yeah. Am I going to need to do anything with them, like to prevent them from falling over and breaking? And Yeah, you can trim them back a bit, like just if they get, start getting going, because they'll start taking off on you. And you're probably going to need to, are you going to grow them in the ground or are you going to grow them in the soil? Um. I will probably do a little bit of both. Okay. So I was almost thinking in the soil, if I put a 
wood base around the pot so they could lay there to produce or something. But I don't know what what they do in greenhouses. Or I was just kind of trying they, to figure they out. They how. basically grow. They use them like a tomato cage or something like that as well. Or put a or they put a trellis up in them. And they have them more grow up, or a lot of times they'll have a whole, they'll have them in rows, and then they'll have a whole bunch of wires going up, like sort of five, six feet above them, uh, just sort of every six inches, and then they tie them like a trellis to the to that. So you could you could get a nice, like a, a tomato ring or something like that, and you can start letting the vine grow up the tomato ring. Oh, okay. Do you, know what, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, um, that would be great for your for for the cucumbers because you are early and it, it'll like that because then it can grow up and they can just hang down and uh, and then it helps save a lot of the fruit as well from being on the ground. Okay, okay. And do they need any pollination help, or are they going to do it on their own? No, or? they do need some. Um, once once are you once they're outside, hopefully our bees and everything will help them with that. But you can do it this with a paintbrush. You just sort of get a little tiny paintbrush, get the pollen, and then rub them onto each other and do their thing. Okay. okay. Uh, and, and you had a yeah. picture of some shrubs as well. Yeah, so that's um, uh, some Saskatoons and some cherries. And I think it's an Evans cherry, but I'm not sure. Okay. And the close one, the closest big one to the window is actually a sucker from the first one. And I get like... 50 pounds of cherries off of these things yeah. every year. And they're amazing. But one of the concerns I have is um, they do sucker out into the yard. Yep. And we've just, the dandelions and stuff have just gotten out of control out here. And I'm trying to prevent the suckers from getting out to where. So just do some root pruning. Treat. Yeah. So how deep will those roots go? Like if I carve down, how so deep this, am I going to have to go to? Like sort of if I'm looking at the picture right now and you sort of want to create a bed, right? So yeah. just cut, do a nice straight edge on the lawn and go down like 8, 10 inches. And then that should cut any of those ones that are coming across into the lawn. Okay. And when you're doing your treating, and one thing I'd recommend is switch over to our Green It Up fertilizer, if you haven't already, our lawn fertilizer. It makes your grass super nice and thick, and it chokes out a lot of the dandelions, so you don't have to spray that much. And then I, would, I wouldn't I would spray the whole lawn, like this spot spray, like get the Killax and then this spot spray. And we're starting a, a lawn care division that we're going to come out and do that for people um, this coming season. But if you're going to do it yourself, like switch over to our Green Up fertilizer. It'll make it nice and thick because the numbers, there's a high middle number, which typically all the fertilizers that you're buying now at the box stores or wherever, they're all 3204 or something like that. Ours is 16326. So high middle number, which Alberta soil really needs because it's hard clay. So this gets your roots down, becomes way more drought tolerant, use way less water, and it chokes out a lot of the weeds. Okay. And it just helps prevent using the Killax. Like last year, I think I sprayed five dandelions. And I know dandelions are good for bees and stuff too, but again, I, I'm not a big fan of getting them crazy. I think we can plant a lot of nice flowers and, and things like that instead of um, having a ton of dandelions everywhere. So I think there's a, we can play fair on both sides. So it's just. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, I mean, it's crazy because we're, we're on a couple acres out here and it, uh, some of the people treat and we've tried not to. Yeah. Um, 
So but the dandelions are like it's all like a field of yellow. Lemons. Yeah, so right. maybe even minimize how much you mow. I don't know if you mow. So typically, when I'm doing landscape design out in the country, I try to shrink the actual mowed part. And I just sort of create like a 50, 60 feet away from the house of mowing. And then I let the other stuff grow a little bit more natural, long grass, because then it looks nice in the wind. And yeah. and it kind of, and that way you're not totally mowing. And then it's a little more, a little easier to control, to look after your lawn in a, in a little smaller varieties, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, and that's kind of what we've got. It's almost like a fire barrier and yeah. then the rest is sheep fescue. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. So then, like I said, especially in the country, you'll see... Our fertilizer helps a lot because it's that we don't have to water as much as well. So, yeah. Okay. Alrighty. Have you got more behind me, or have I got time for one more? Yeah, you can go ahead. I got a couple behind you, but go ahead. Okay, quick one. I've got a raspberry patch that's like um, I've got two of them. One yeah. that's great, but the other one we've kind of lost it to quack and and <laughs> weeds and stuff. Yeah. Um, can you? Is there any way to like at the beginning of the year pull them out and? Yep. Remove yep. everything and then replant. Them. Absolutely, Will that actually work. Yeah, raspberries are fairly easy to do that. They, they're because you can dig them out as a cane. So as soon as the soil's workable, um, do that. Like dig them out, shake off a bit of the soil, dig out a trench, put maybe put new soil in there, and uh, and then replant them. Okay, perfect. But you have to do it before when they're still dormant. Yeah. Okay. All right. Beautiful. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Great You're welcome. Show. Thanks, man. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Appreciate it. All right. I'm going to take a final break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I got a quick text here from Dean. Hi, is it time to start germinating tomatoes from seed? Yeah, we're getting real close. Um, typically the first week in, uh, sort of when we get right at the first day of spring is a good time for tomatoes. If you plan on moving them outside, um, and you should be good to go Dean at that right now. And Merle, I sent you a photo last year of my strange raspberry stalks. I later found out that it's thistle growing in the patch. How do I get rid of the weed without contaminating the raspberries? I think it's similar to my last caller. When early spring, um, without getting in there and spraying, or you're just pulling them out when they're small and trying to just hoe them out with a little cultivator, I would uh, I would just maybe, if there's a lot in there, dig it out, replenish the soil, early spring when they first able to work the soil where they're still dormant and then plant the canes back in at that time. And that should work out quite nicely for you. And then just make sure you water them in well, fertilize with 15, 30, 15, higher middle number, and that will help get those roots going and uh, start producing some fruit for you right away. And uh, I don't need that one. And I'm going to go to the phone line and chat with Kelly. Good morning, Kelly. Hey, good morning, Merle. Hi, how can I help you? Hey, good. Good good listening to your show there. Thank you. Something, something nice to hear besides the doom and gloom the rest of the week here. Yeah, no, I, I actually I consider myself very lucky, I, and I people ask, how's how's business going and things like that. And we're pretty lucky, like in the garden business, like we're like even th- when a little bit tougher times, people like to maybe do a little bit of house plants or do some stuff and fix up their yard and, and we get to stay away from some of the, the nasty stuff, which is, uh, yeah. but anyways, we're all yeah. part of it. So we got to hopefully <laughs> yeah, figure yeah. something out. How, yeah. It's there no matter what. Yeah, absolutely. How yeah, can I help I mean, you? I got a, 
Well, we're, we're on an acreage here just outside Okotoks a ways, and we uh, we had a big tree that blew over earlier this winter right onto our part of our lilac yeah. bushes, yeah. edges, or whatever we want to call them. And I'm going to cut it out of there today, my nephew and I. And um, Will those lilacs, will they recover on their own, or will they be kind of done, or, I, or is there something else you can do to help them back along? Or? Basically what I would do is any of the... Uh, damaged branches and stuff like that um, of the law. Like I would just cut out anything broken. Yeah. And if there's a fair bit of it on each one, I would just take them right down to the ground. If there's a, if it's really lopsided, like if there's only one side of it or something, I would just take it right down and then just let it grow right back up from the root because it's amazing how fast it'll take off. Yeah, yeah, they 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 they're kind of a hardy bush for sure. Absolutely, and sometimes you get a lot of dead damage and just old disease branching in in them in the old wood. So they yeah. they need that. It's just called rejuvenation every couple of years. So every few years. So yeah, they're they're. They're older than dirt, these things. Here yeah, here so, long time, so you might even look at, and uh, how long of a hedge is it? How tall? No, like how, tall? like, is it like a couple hundred feet long or 50-foot oh, hedge? No, it's probably 100 feet, yeah. a little more, maybe. Yeah, so it depends on what shape the rest are in. You might even want to look at just doing the whole thing, like just take it all right down to six, eight inches. Right. And, and just oh. let it all come back <laughs> up from the bottom. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because they're about, <laughs> heck, they're 10, 10, 12 feet tall, ten feet at least. Or yeah. It depends on, if they're tall. nice and healthy, then I wouldn't do it. But if they're yeah. if they're looking old and ratty and there's lots of deadwood in them, it, it's definitely time to do a rejuvenation on them. So. Yeah. Okay. Super. Yeah. I'll uh, see how it turns out. One other quick question. Yes. We have, uh, we've planted a few spruce trees through the years around the yard and whatnot. Yep. And we found that a lot of them get up to about that. Eight, ten feet tall, and then the top two, three feet or so start turning and yeah. southeast on you, kind of. Thing. Yeah, so, you're getting weevil, and weevil. Uh, oh. yeah, it's a uh, it's a little it's like a maggot, right? It, and they're in around the soil, and is it are they typically the blue spruce? Yeah, one is. Yeah, yeah. For sure. yeah, they like those. And what it is, it's a little maggot-looking thing, and it gets in, it crawls up the trunk all the way to the top when the new growth comes out, and it gets in there and it starts eating the tree from the inside out. So what? Yeah, you, yeah unfortunately, it's, it's it's and it is nasty out your way. Unfortunately, there's a lot of it. Oh yeah. So what you yeah. need to do is you need to get up there, just cut it down. And you just keep cutting until you don't see any more little holes. You'll see little burrows in it. Like when you cut okay, the top yeah. off, you'll see where it's been in there. And in the yeah. summertime, you'll see the, all the maggots that are up there. So do a really good cleanup around your spruce trees. And you can even spray down below like with uh, mouth on or something like that just to give it a really good. Because yeah. they come up in the spring and they go up into it. So, But you got to get up there and cut it out. Otherwise, it'll keep going down into your spruce. Right. Yeah, because we put mulch around all our spruce, and yeah. it seemed to help them quite a bit. Oh, it does. It holds the moisture in, but yeah. th- those weevils are nasty out there, and they took away any of the... We can come out and inject them for you. Um, yeah. we, have a, we have a pesticide, but they took away the systemic weevil um, product that was available in the garden centers on a retail basis, um, so right. it's no longer available, so we're starting to see a lot more of that come around. So, Yeah. All right. Good. Yeah, good, good stuff. Yeah, yep, so sure. if you guys are out there today, just get up there and cut those down a bit. And just like, usually yeah. you have to take a foot or two off the top just till you stop seeing the little holes. Yeah, 
because uh, they look they look deformed. Yeah. No, it's nasty. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Thanks, Kelly. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All right. Again, thanks for listening in. And uh, two hours went by quick. We're starting to get lots of calls again now and uh, heading into springtime. Until next week on 770 CHQR.